Welcome to Life at the Ballpark. On this episode, you'll hear stories from a man whose eight-year Major League career included replacing a future Hall of Fame catcher. Once throwing out 48% of runners attempting to steal, and whose minor league managing career included going to get his pitcher out of the shower while the pitcher was still in the game. Wow. Um, what an individual. I, I I always used to kid Tony that we had, we, you know, we combined 300 hitter. You know, we combined for over, you know, 3,000 hits. He would laugh. And um, I just... Other than being probably one of the greatest hitters of all time, I think people relate to hitters as guys that have to hit home runs and such. Now, Tony could have. I'm, I'm telling you that for sure. He could have hit home runs if he wanted to. He just wanted to just get a lot of hits, and he hit doubles, and he hit singles. He was phenomenal. He had more bat control. It was ridiculous. Um, but as a friend, I, I was glad to know Tony Gwynn. He was a, he was a hell of a guy. Welcome to Life of the Ballpark, sharing stories from players, managers and coaches, writers and broadcasters about their lives in baseball. From the sand lots to the big league ballparks, this episode is coming to you from Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium in Jupiter, Florida, spring training home for the St. Louis Cardinals and the Miami Marlins. I'm John Frost, and my guest today is the manager for the Palm Beach Cardinals and the St. Louis Cardinals organization in the Florida State League, Dan Billardello. Hi, Dan. Good morning. Dan uh, has managed several years in the minor leagues, also has a uh, eight-year major league career. So it's been 30, over 30-plus 30 years that I've been in the game as a player and a coach, and it's been a wonderful experience. I've, I've put together an interesting list of people, and I want you to tell me what these people have in common. Babe Dahlgren. Ray Knight, Ryan Miner, Mickey Mantle, Bobby Mercer, and Dan Billardello. We're in, we have actually think something in you common. You have something in common with all those other people. We were bo- all born. <laughs> <laughs> well, you uh, have two things in okay, common. Okay, two things. Um, wow. Uh, we probably have some relationship with... I'm well. I'm I'm guessing Johnny Bench in a way because that sound like a couple guys from Oklahoma there, and I know Johnny's <laughs> from Oklahoma. Well, you're so, close. Okay, well, you're close. That's all I got. Your relationship to Johnny Bench is what I'm referring to. Okay. Each of these people replaced someone who went on to the Hall of Fame. Oh wow. Okay. And one of the interesting things about your career is you were the starting <laughs> catcher for the Cincinnati Reds in 1983, which was Johnny Bench's last season. Correct. Uh, It was, uh, you know, talking about growing up and watching, you know, game of the week. At that time, it was one game on Saturdays, and the Reds were always on. And I had to, you know, again, people always say this, I have to be honest, like I'm going to lie. But I, I grew up an A's fan. And at that time, remember early 70s, I was younger, radio, the A's were pretty good in the early 70s. Three consecutive won, world championships. Yeah, three straight. Yeah. So um, became an A's fan, and the A's had played uh, the Reds. And um, But then as it went on, the big red machine was always seemed to be on Saturday game of the week. Uh, Ted, you know, Ted and Kurt Gowdy and those guys were announcing. And so 
growing up with them and seeing them, especially then knowing who he is uh, and, and the players that were on that team, because there were some other players still on that team when I got there. David Concepcion, Dreesen was there. Uh, Dreesen might not have been so much part of the Red Machine, but Tony Perez and, uh, and obviously then Pete came the year after. But, yeah, it was uh, it was a kind of a – you know he wasn't he wasn't catching. I think he only caught a few games anyway. So I always I've kitted him. Uh, of course I have kitted him, and I always say that he was my backup. But uh, <laughs> it's just a fun little jab that we can do. Uh, and and what's really nice, John, is that um, he's been around here, and it's been nice to know. Um, it's pretty cool. You know, catchers have a fraternity anyway, and we're always kind of uh, together. And uh, last year when I was managing here in, in Palm Beach, he was actually in the stands. I didn't know it, and I, you know, I hear my name called, and I go, I know that voice. And so he's been able to come by a few times, and uh, it's great to see him. Um, he's, a, you know, his, his life is, I can't imagine. Um, you know, now he, he's man a father of two young kids and you know i think 13 and 10 i believe if i I, excuse me if i'm wrong but uh it's great they they come by and they've been in my office a few times and uh so it's great to see him and it's and he seems like he's doing really well and you'll be forever linked right yeah Yeah. absolutely i i mean i don't get too i've been very fortunate with a lot of people that i have played throughout throughout my years um some special people and some hall of famers I've never been one to just oh oh no oh wow this is unbelievable I don't get that way I just respect what they've done I know how hard it is to be good <laughs> and to be good that that often and then obviously good enough to be voted into the Hall of Fame whether it be any sport so I respect that and um, it's it's great that. Uh, you know, he didn't. You probably the next thing would be, God. He probably gave you a lot of advice. No, not not really. Um, it was kind of funny. He didn't say a whole lot to me. Um, he mainly encouraged me more about my hitting, um, and I took it as a compliment that he didn't say a whole lot about my defense because I was kind of assuming that I was doing pretty good defensively. Mm-hmm. And as it ended up, when you look back at my career, I, I really have a lot of confidence in my defensive ability, and probably that's why I played for 17 years too. So um, it, was, it was a great experience to be able to play with him and, and the other guys that I've been able to play with over my years. I'll be back to the conversation with former Major League catcher Dan Billardello next on Life at the Ballpark. You're listening to this podcast because you have an interest in baseball. If you own a business... What do you think people who call you have an interest in? Yeah, your business. So you need a message on hold. Now, tell your callers about your products and services, locations and hours, special offers and more with a message on hold now. We've been providing telephone on hold messages since 1992, and we can do one for you. Get your custom message on hold now at messageonholdnow.com. Messageonholdnow.com. Remember to subscribe and download a new episode of Life at the Ballpark each week. And now back to my conversation with Dan Bellardello. I want to make the transition from you as a player to you as a manager and coaching these guys, because I've seen you with these guys. You're not just their manager, you're also their mentor. I've seen them, I've seen, seen, seen you clown around with them, I've seen you refer to their families, bring them in. I mean, you're, you're in charge of kids who are 
in their early 20s a lot of the time. So the mentoring part of it is very important to you. Uh, absolutely. Uh, it's probably one of the most important things. Um, you know, we see a lot of things. I watch a lot of uh, the NFL ha- does a lot of stuff on players, the life of and the 30 for 30s. And I, I enjoy watching those because you see the background of some of these players and coaches. And uh, I feel when I listen to some of the things, I'm like, man, it, it gives me some ideas, but it also says that I'm doing the right thing. Um, because really the most important thing is I want to make them, and this is so true, I want to make them a better person first. And I try to instill that to all my kids because for the most part, hey, they're not going to make it to the big leagues. And so they've got to have a life outside of baseball. So if I can give them some you know, some tangible things that they could take with them when they go out into the real world and try to find jobs and do things and work with different and work with people that if I can make them better that way, that to me is the most important. And then on top of it, you know, 1A is baseball. And you just try to give them the best through my experiences. Um, uh, what I went through as a player, uh, I, I think I can relate to them. I've been the ups, I've been the downs, I've had success. And, you know, people say, well, you didn't win a championship at the major league level. You know, what's funny is I always say this. If you watch the Little League World Series and you watch the winners, what do they do? They all run out the field and jump on each other. Well, when I watch the World Series and at the end of the game, what do the players do? They run out in the field and jump on each other. There is no difference in my mind. The, 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 elation and the happiness that those players have at age 9, 10, 11, 12, through high, whatever, and now to the big leagues, it, the only difference is is that a lot of people are watching, obviously, at World Series or the Super Bowl or the you know hockey playoffs, whatever. So I think it's the same. It's just, you know, obviously when you're young, you don't see it as much, but the joy of the winning is still the same. So I've been through a lot of that stuff. I've gone through it as a manager of winning a championship. In fact, first year I managed, we won. I was with the Dodgers. We won our rookie league. We were the champions. And I thought, man, this is easy. This is how it's <laughs> supposed to work. You know? But uh, obviously that's not the case. But uh, <clears throat> what we try to do is I, I, I as, a, as a coach or as a mentor, as a manager – uh, I try to be their their friend, but have a line and don't cross it. Um, I'm both. I'm going to be consistent uh, with my authority that was had been given to me with as being the, named the manager, um, but I don't let that get in the way of of taking advantage of that, and that's not right. So I've been able to play with a bunch of people coming through and up through baseball different managers and i've kind of taken a little bit from all of them to say this is what i I like this is no i don't like that and so i try to blend them all together with my own personality and i think what happens is is that the players i hope there is some respect they don't have to like me i'm not going to get 25 guys to like me but i hope that they respect me and they can say listen this guy's honest 
He'll tell me if I walk in his office, he's going to tell me the truth. And you know what? He's going to care uh, about if I have to walk in and talk to him about something unrelated to baseball. And to me, that is probably the most important thing I can be here for those players other than baseball. Who was that for you coming up in baseball, either in the minor leagues or early in the majors? Well, I had Terry Collins was a manager I had with the Dodgers. And, you you know, man, you talk about tough. Um, you know, and Terry, if you followed his career, you know, he's managing the big leagues um, with a couple teams. Um, so he's had the success. And I played with another gentleman, too, and I don't want to forget this gentleman is Jim Leland. Those two probably, I played with Buck Rogers in Montreal. I really don't want to leave too many people out, but when I look back and I say, man, I I look at all those personalities, um, and there were some that I'm not going to mention that I I said I'm not going to be like that also, but those those three guys were very uh, influential for me as to how I was going to become a manager and how I would relate. I know all three had one thing in common. They didn't BS you. They told you exactly the truth, um, and that's what I liked. And I said, you know what, as a player, that's all I want. I would just tell me the truth, and I, and I can walk out of that room knowing this is, what, this, is, this is what's happening. Tell me about some things that have happened to you in the minors that are sort of on the nutty side. I was a manager in the Midwest League, so, uh, so we had a pitcher in the game. We go to like the eighth inning. It was kind of I, I wanted to have another guy throw one inning late. Uh, we were losing at the time, um, and the inning was over. So I, we we hit. We come in and pitching coach Jason Simon Tatch. He says, "I'm looking out and there's no pitcher on the mound." I said, "Where's our pitcher?" He goes, "Well, you better go up to the locker room. You'll find him there." I went, "What?" So. <laughs> I sprinted up to the locker room because he needed to go pitch. I didn't have anybody up in the bullpen. Game's still going. Yeah, game's still going on. Oh, yeah. And uh, I walk in, and, uh, yeah, he was clean. He was in the shower. Um, <laughs> he walks out. I I say a few choice words. <laughs> um, he walks out with a towel wrapped around him, and and uh, I had a few more choice words. And he offered to get dressed again. I said, no, forget about it. Um, and then I would deal with him later. But uh, he thought I, – I asked him, who told you you were out of the game? And he kind of looked at me and said, nobody. And I said, then what are you doing? <laughs> so it was kind of funny. I was just glad the next guy – I had to get him warmed up right away. And the funny thing was he he only got a few tosses in. I remember going to the mound before the inning started, and I said, listen, you just throw – don't – you. I don't care if you – it don't matter. You're not getting hurt here. And the uh, funny thing was, he got two quick outs <laughs> throwing like 82 miles an hour, and he usually <laughs> throws like 95. So it was like, well, there you go. You can get away with throwing off speed. But, yeah, uh, yeah that was pretty interesting. That was wow. – uh, I've never – that hasn't occurred uh, to me since then. One more question, and I'll let you go. Tell me about Tony Gwynn. Tell me about playing ball with Mr. Padre. Wow. Um, what an individual. I, I – I always used to kid Tony that we had we you know we combined 300 hitter <laughs> you know we combined for over you know 3000 hits he would laugh and um I just 
other than being probably one of the greatest hitters of all time, I think people relate to hitters as guys that have to hit home runs and such. Now, Tony could have. I'm, I'm telling you that for sure. He could have hit home runs if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to just get a lot of hits. Mm-hmm. And he hit doubles and he hit singles. He was phenomenal. He had more bat control. It was ridiculous. Um, but as a friend, it was funny. We had a a very good relationship. We, we, we kind of hung out together. It was... You, that combination just doesn't make sense. Me, you know, me and Tony Gwynn, um, we uh, we had some good times. We both enjoyed our snacks. Um, uh, maybe that was one of our connections. Um, we did some fishing together. Um, I remember the the funny story that I always it's, it's not funny. Uh, actually, there's two things that I would like to bring up. Uh, one was. Uh, he was came back to the dugout one time and he had gone over you know 10 now that's a, like a slump for him you know that's like gee i hope i only go you know over 30 me but uh he came back sat next to me he goes man i'm in the gutter and i looked at he was hitting like 320 at the time and so i said I turned and I said, you're in the gutter? I said, if you're in the gutter, I'm the cement of the gutter, if you're in the gutter. And I laughed and I said, it, it'll, <clears throat> it'll come back. But my point to that is, for everybody, that hitting a lot to me, other than being physically talented and, and being able to hit a baseball, which is the hardest thing to do, is that when you're in that mindset, you can get people out. The, the pitchers can get hitters out. Because they they will go through that. Now he just didn't go through it that long. He he would get out of those slumps a lot earlier than anybody else. Mm-hmm. But um, but that was just kind of interesting. That here's a guy that would say that you would never think that would come out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. And uh, but um, but he I'm sure he got two hits later that game. But it, it was just it was just interesting when I remember he said that. And then the other other thing was. He was going for the batting title uh, in 90, I want to say, I was with San Diego, so I think it was 92. Uh, so I'm on second, it's first and second, and he's hitting. And he has a way of, you know, shortstops used to say he you didn't know if he would pull the ball or hit it in the hole at the last second. He had that much control mm. of the bat. And... For some reason, I have always prided myself on being a very smart player uh, because I had to overcome some deficiencies. Uh, I said, I got to be smarter than the other guys. Well, I'm on second, first and second, and he hits a ball, a slicer into left field, but it's, it might be caught by the shortstop, might not. I freeze. Now, the shortstop, uh, I'm. Shortstop dives for it, doesn't get it. Left fielder, when they played against Tony, played over toward the line and and not shallow, but not deep. But that's where he would, you know, hit some line, whatever. He did balls out that way. I freeze. Left fielder gets it, throws it to third. I slide in. I'm out. It's a force play. My coach looks down and says there were two outs. Now, he's going for the batting title. This is at the end of the year. This is only a few games left in the year. 
and he's one or two hits behind. I, I can't remember who Pendleton might have won it that year. I can't remember. But he was that close. He was within a point or two. So, of course, I got a lot of heat from everybody on my team that I cost Tony Gwynn the batting title. They were obviously half kidding me, but they had to get on me. I mean, I would have got on whoever did the same thing. And I remember he came up to me after everybody was on me about it. He came up to me, and this is how classy he was. He goes, don't worry about it. It's fine. I'm not upset. And I, <clears throat> he knew, well, he knew me as a player, but he also knew how much I was. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I did this. I, I mean, I don't play that way. I, I get frustrated if my kids do that now, you know. And uh, he came up to me and said, nah, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Because he probably knew he could go get three hits the next day, but uh, he ended up missing the batting title by a couple points that year. And I don't. It ended up that that hit did not cost him, and thank God mm-hmm. to this day that it did not. Mm-hmm. But at that time, it was it was devastating for me because I know how important it was, you know, for him. I mean, that's that's something that when you're that good, and obviously you want to be able to 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 do that. Um, but that's the type of person he was. I, I, I love the guy to death. Um, man, I'm just, you know, I think, listen, a lot of things happen in this world um, that are not sports related or everybody out there that is listening to this has a story, whether it be a relative, a friend, a, a husband, a wife, a son, a brother, whatever, that has something drastically or inexplicably had passed away. And I'm not trying to get you know somber here but it's like you know we think of baseball and we think of tony gwynn and and you know it's on espn it's on the news and you know what there's so many other things in the world that go on that but you know people enjoy sports and so that's always going to be out there so i don't want to you know downplay anything else but you know it's a it's a it's a big loss for the baseball community to have lost uh tony gwynn and uh i respect him a lot his family's great um it, it was just a really neat time. Um, I, I was glad to know Tony Gwynn. He was a, he was a hell of a guy. Dan Bilardello, the manager of the Palm Beach Cardinals, thank you for being with me on Life in the Ballpark. You got it, John. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you.